0: Hello! Welcome to the EduPunks podcast. This is your host, Craig Bideman. I'm I'm back. Uh, It's been a weird couple of weeks because uh, ever since the last episode, a couple things have happened. I was hit by a car uh, while riding my bike home from work one night and almost died, which is pretty intense to kind of look at life in a very weird way, having... Um, almost died because everything has been like a little bit brighter lately, Um, just kind of enjoying life and making sure that the people around me know that I love them because I almost didn't have them anymore. Uh, I have a broken wrist. That's the worst thing from the accident, which if you are connected with me on social media, you can see some pictures that show that it definitely could have been a lot worse but um, yeah, I'm bringing this episode to you It'll be the last episode for a couple of weeks uh, While I heal my wrist But I am going to try to get out one more episode before the end of the year um, But I've, had, I've been sitting on this episode for about six weeks Because we had some issues with the podcast, if you remember But yeah, here's the beginning of the episode Now, here we go you just started. just straight up asked me and was like, so um, how do you pronounce your last name? And I was like, Vitamin. He was like, oh, cool. Awesome. Literally got on stage and said Bitamin. And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've done the, the fucking point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've totally been that announcer before. Um, one time I had, I was hosting this open mic and there was this guy named Naveh Um, who I had recently met who was performing in the open mic and so he went on and I like I was like okay remember his name remember his name remember how to say it and so I introduced him called him Neve, it was good and then this other guy went on and was good and then that second guy came back and was like oh do you mind if I do one more quick thing and I was like oh yeah totally fine um, everybody welcome to the stage Nave and oh. I, like, I like pronounced I called him by the total wrong name and pronounced it wrong
0: oh <laughs> well <laughs> great <laughs> we all make if those kinds of the light mistakes. yeah intensify to say Save- Hey, it's Craig again. I know I did a quick little thing at the very beginning of the episode. That's just to give you a little heads up about what's going on in my life before getting into this episode, which was recorded six weeks ago. So it's been a minute, but uh, I was supposed to post uh, about a month ago uh, because of uh, errors with the podcast and whatnot. Here we are. Uh, So yeah, just a little bit of different context before we get into this conversation with Nicole Mazio, who uh, runs Pleasure Pie, which is a DIY sex education uh, organization that specializes in zines, stickers, all sorts of promotional stuff, just to kind of destigmatize sex, sex positivity, sex work, and all things therein. It's a very fun conversation with Nicole, who is in the Netherlands of all places, so this was our second international conversation of the year and uh we we've only met once which was at like a small conference and only got to talk for a little bit but i have kept up with pleasure Pie ever since i love all of the work that they do so please make sure that when you are done with this uh episode you go back and you check out everything that pleasure pie does because it's all great and i have a bunch of their stickers and pins and stuff yeah this week, you're also going to hear tunes from the band Typesetter, who recently put out an album through Six One Three One Records, our good friends over at Six One Three One. If you remember, a couple weeks ago, we put out that episode with Max Seal. Very great conversation with Francesca. If you want to support another Six One Three One band, here you go. Go to Typesetter.bandcamp.com or Six One Three One Records.com. Get a copy of the album. Get a digital copy, whatever you like to how you, however you like to listen to music. That's. That's how you can you can do it. Typesetter, nothing blues is the name of the album. We're going to listen to it a whole bunch throughout the episode. This is our first episode uh, as a member of the Connect Edu Network. So this episode is brought to you by the Connect Edu Network. The Connect Edu Network specializes in podcasts uh, that are focused on uh, education, the education world, higher education, everything therein as well. Uh, But I, you know, kind of blur those lines between traditional education and music and scene stuff. So I'm excited to bring a different perspective to the incredible slew of episodes. That are put out every week by all those amazing podcasts and podcasters. So this is really cool. We're like a part of a thing now. And I hope folks who are coming into this uh, episode as one of their early episodes uh, listening to the EduPunks podcast, I hope you stick around. Uh, It's a little bit more... These parts are a little bit more chilled out right now because, you know, I was hit by a car. (laughs) So I'm chilling out a little bit. I'm taking it a little bit easier. And yeah, it might be a minute before... Another episode comes out, but there are like 50-some other episodes for you to listen to. Go back and listen to my great conversation with uh, Nick Bates, or Katie's conversation with Lauren Cashin, or my conversation with Julian Baker, or uh, our conversation with uh, Katie's former journalism professor, uh, Vince Velock. Like, there's so many great conversations that you can go listen to michi Tassi, a great episode that a lot of people have uh said is one of their favorites as well so you can listen to so many things before we come back Uh, i might have one another one before the end of the year but if not i'll see you in january but i mean there's a whole episode to listen to now so let's let's get to that here uh is nicole mazio the conversation with nicole mazio All right, so I am uh, talking digitally with Nicole Mazio. How are you, Nicole?
1: I'm good, thanks.
0: Nicole runs an organization called Pleasure Pie, which is pretty sweet. It does a lot of sex positivity stuff. And I am very excited to be chatting with you because you are in a different part of the world. Where are you right now?
1: I'm in the Netherlands.
0: That's so sweet. And how long have you been there?
1: Um, I've been here for a little over two weeks, um, and I have no idea how long I will be here for. Probably at least a few months, and probably not more than two years.
0: Cool. But you're no stranger to, like, being in, like, abroad.
1: Yeah, I spent the last nine months living in Jerusalem, Um, so it's, yeah, it it hasn't been that weird, I guess, though it's still a transition.
0: Yeah, that's like... So uprooting because you're uh, where are you originally from?
1: Um, from Massachusetts.
0: Yeah, so like that's a little bit of a change, right?
1: Yeah, I mean the city that I'm in, I'm still learning how to pronounce the name of it. It's Croningen or something. Um, okay. It looks like Groningen, um, but it is so much more like Boston than Jerusalem is. So that there's a lot that feels way more familiar.
0: Okay. Does it like feel like a city is that why?
1: Um, Jerusalem. Um, Groningen is much smaller. It's a little bit more like a Providence type of size.
0: Oh, okay. Cool. I'm going to Providence today. Oh, nice. Yeah. Pretty pretty uh excited about that. I like that area. Um, so, Nicole can you tell folks a little bit about who you are, what you do, where you come from, how you got there? Maybe, maybe not how you got to the Netherlands, but like how you got to where you are today, like career-wise, spiritually.
1: <laughs> sure. Um, so my name is Nicole. I'm very interested in sexuality, sexual empowerment, consent, um, sexual wellness, talking about sex in an honest way. Um, how did I get here? I had really bad sex education growing up and that and other things resulted in me having bad sexual experiences and a lot of anxiety around sex. Um, And so I eventually decided that I just needed to do a lot of my own research about sex and about the emotional, social side of sex, too. Um, So... I ended up just doing a lot of that on my own time, in addition to taking college classes on it when I could. I was studying sociology. And then four years ago, started the organization Pleasure Pie because I wanted to make zines about some of the messages and ideas that were important to me that I had come across with all of this research on my own. Um so I started making zines, tabled at a Zine Fest, and just made up the name Pleasure Pie. Uh, because the Zine Fest application asked if I had a name that I tabled under, and I was like, oh, it seems more fun to have a name than not have a name. <laughs> so I like tabled with a little sign that said Pleasure Pie on my table. And people were so supportive and receptive to my zines, which was the most amazing experience. And throughout the Zine Fest, a couple of people asked me, so what's Pleasure Pie? And I was like, well, it's just these zines. But then eventually I was like, I guess it can be whatever I want it to be. So then I was like, well, what do I want it to be? And so then it grew into events and workshops and a whole community element, which is today. I guess in terms of education, that feels like a less... Interesting to me, part of my <laughs> how did I get here? But I um, went to college for four years, dropped out, not very close to graduating. Then took six years off doing Pleasure Pie and other things, um, and sex education through a, another nonprofit. And not the sex, not the Pleasure Pie is a nonprofit. Um, and now I'm just going back to try to finish my undergrad this semester.
0: Awesome. that's that was a lot. I appreciate it. <laughs> so you just kind of came up with the name?
1: Yeah. um, I wanted something that was friendly and that like suggested at being on the topic of sex without committing me to only talking about sex ever. Yeah. and so i was I was having a hard time coming up with a name, but then eventually was like, okay, let me just think of words that people have positive associations with and start there. And so pie was one of the first words I thought of. I was like, oh, people like pie. Like, even if they don't like pie as a food, they like the idea of it. Um, and so then because of alliteration, pleasure immediately came to me. And I was like, yeah, that sounds good.
0: Yeah. And I mean, even pie in general brings people like like pleasure to f- fuel their hunger. <laughs> Or some folks yeah, totally. just have, like, really strong opinions on pie.
1: Yeah, and it's also a good excuse to have pie at our at ideally all of our events.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I once did a gig <clears throat> with this band in college, and their album was called Have Cake. And at their album release, they just got a huge cake, and people just ate cake while they played. Aw, yeah, I love that sort of thing. It was super sick. (laughs) So you said that you got really bad sex education growing up. Uh, Same, which is basically (laughs) why I got into doing this kind of work. Mm -hmm. What were some of the messages that were given to you or even some of the misinformation that you remember getting growing up?
1: Yeah. So in school, I got very minimal sex education and it was all about at least what I remember of it was about STIs and we watched a birth video and I just didn't like I had no idea what they were talking about the whole time because it was just like like I didn't even know what sex consisted of so like we're talking about all these infections and diseases that you can get from sex and like lists of their symptoms and I was just like what are we even talking about? Like, I am so lost and, like, way too embarrassed to even <laughs> pay attention. Um, so, yeah, that was really confusing. And nobody was talking to me about sex outside of that. In No adults were talking to me about sex in any helpful way at all. Um, I became really religious as a teenager and um, subscribed to the idea that, not only should you not have sex before marriage but you should not like do any sort of sexual expression before marriage so basically thinking that lust was a sin and lust encompassed encompassed so many things like dancing in a sexy way wearing clothing that seemed at all revealing um so many things so I just basically spent years of my teenage life trying to like erase sexuality from my person, Hmm. which was a struggle to undo when I wanted to start having sex.
0: I actually really relate to the, um, to the piece about what the hell is going on. (laughs) Like what, what are you, what what is this because no one actually did a job like a good job of explaining to me what sex even was and so i was like why are we all of a sudden talking about my penis like i don't get this what is this you why are we using the? why am i gonna have those sores on my we why is this happening and it was just never explained very well that you put the thing inside the thing or you touch the thing or you put your mouth on the thing or uh, I didn't know those. That's what happened. This was like eighth grade Craig not knowing much about the world <laughs> and being thrown into these conversations with like minimal preparedness
1: yeah.
0: with the teacher that looked as uncomfortable talking about it as we were listening to it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That is very much like my experience. For me, I was, like, extremely curious about what sex was and wanted to have those conversations, but was way too embarrassed to initiate them.
0: Oh, 100%. I feel like I had the, the... The same a similar curiosity but I still didn't know what it consisted of and I think my first little like foray into understanding what sex is or says sex was um, was when my friends started talking about masturbation mm-hmm. and I I tell this story a lot and it's like a whole thing that I do to start a lot of my sex talks because I think it's really important to like lighten the mood about sex and show that like even someone who's super confident talking about this stuff now believes some stuff that I probably shouldn't have back in the day and it's all because of like my brother <laughs> told me the wrong information all the time but just to just to fuck with me. Oh my god. And so when I was figuring out what masturbation was, I actually went to him and I was like, "Hey, hey, Brian, what is masturbation? And without skipping a beat, he goes, oh, that's when you put your finger in your butt. Uh, Which, like, I didn't know was even a thing you could do. And then I ended up trying it and really liking it. Oh, good. And exactly. I was like, I found out this thing about myself when I was, like, 13 or 12. I think I was 12. I found this thing out about myself and like I was really stoked on it. I'm like, this is masturbation. This is it. I got this. And then when I went to school and brought it up, it was really awkward when I was explained to, when I was explained to me like what it actually was. And I was still just like, eh, oh, well, I still like the other thing too.
1: <laughs> Good. Yeah. I feel like. <coughs> For me at that time, there was so much shame that I had internalized that like, I don't know if I could have gone back to enjoying the thing that I had originally enjoyed. Because for me, like, that shame was so heavy and like, so hard to get past that it really prevented me from enjoying sex for several years.
0: And you were talking about a little bit about how that probably possibly some of that shame is attached to um faith growing up. Um That's where it was for me. 100% too. Um And I had it in my mind, like I'm not going to do any of this stuff because I don't want to be seen as impure. And that really got in my head <laughs> and made me feel like, even the fact that people were talking about that stuff made them look like, like I was judging them and still feeling shame in myself. Mm -hmm. And it didn't take, it took me a very long time to like shake all of that (laughs) and feel like I could move on through it. Um, When do you, do you remember the moment when you were like, screw this? I know what I like. I'm going to try to go for it. Or, um was it more of a I don't know like a progression
1: um I would say it was definitely more of a progression I feel like I mean I feel I feel a little bad right now because so much of my story there's so many like negative parts
0: um, <laughs> well, Honestly, like, that's like... not that's not atypical I don't think
1: yeah yeah I'm sure you're right um Yeah. So like for me, when I started having sex, it was because of being coerced into it. Um, But I was like, I still was like, okay, but I'm choosing to do this. So I want to enjoy it. And I do remember one thing that was really a turning point for me, which was finding out about the concept of sex positivity because I had this boyfriend who was a jerk and who insisted that we have sex. And so I eventually was like, okay, we can have sex. And did, and it did not feel good. And I was like, wow, I need to deal with all of the hangups that I have about this if I'm going to ever enjoy it. And I want to enjoy it. And... So I started reading about it a lot, and I remember reading in Bitch Magazine on their website, um, this feminist magazine, some article about feminism that just like briefly mentioned the concept of sex positivity, and I was like, what is that? And so it turned out that they had... (laughs) a tag on their articles that was, it was something like sex positive or sex positivity. And so I clicked on that tab a uh, tag and was like, Oh my God, there's all these articles about like accepting your sexuality and like not feeling shame about sexuality. And that's exactly what I need. <laughs> and it was just like very powerful for me to read that stuff. And be like this is exactly what I needed to hear. And it still was very much a multi-year long process after that and still is, but mm-hmm. um that was very much a turning point.
0: Hmm. <laughs> and do you think, do you think that? that oh do you think that that's where um you started to kind of go like into it pretty hard like with your your own like research on it because you said you were since you got such bad education, you started, just started researching everything. Uh, what were kind of the sources you were, you were looking into from there?
1: Yeah. A lot of what I read was articles online. Um, and then I'm trying to think, I guess I, I got really passionate about it from reading it and ended up getting a job oh I ended up taking a class called human sexuality in college and so that was a lot more of the like anatomy the like basic stuff that I didn't know all of it but I had read a lot of it at that point in different articles but it was great just to have that like overview putting it all together Um, and more of the like health related stuff was in that and that was cool Um, and then after that pretty shortly after that I dropped out of school and got a job as a sex educator with teenagers <laughs> in Boston. Um, and, and so that was cool. Like I got all these trainings. That was a great job. Um, I did that for two years and they had all these, like, like a training on internal condoms, a training on like trauma informed care and just uh, tra- connecting people to resources for sexual health and just all the stuff. Um, and then, like, obviously, like the just general sexual health knowledge training stuff, um, and yeah, and so that stuff was really was really helpful. And like practicing talking about it with students and seeing all the students' questions and stuff was interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. That's so great! I love hearing that. Because um, I feel I feel like a lot of folks who get into doing this kind of work. Um, Some, a lot of folks just kind of stumble into it Mm -hmm. and I think it has a similar story of folks who didn't have like a very good either education or good experiences and kind of want to make it a little bit better for other people. Um, I know that growing up, I just had no access to stuff and just no education. And a lot of people in my high school were like getting pregnant uh were uh getting sexually assaulted, like a lot of stuff, especially around the men that I was growing up around. they just had no understanding of anything at all. and at that time i had I personally had no idea um so I looking back, feel like there were so many opportunities for me to have like said or done something. so now doing the work that I'm doing now with, I do a lot of work with men and sex and sexuality. And so it's trying to kind of make hopefully a better, uh, a better culture for our, uh, for our sexual selves uh, in society, because um, having an early sexual experience be, from coercion and from something that is not necessarily the greatest feeling in the world, it can ruin all of sex for someone. And I'm really trying to like, like, I really hope that that is something that we uh, can keep uh, challenging moving forward, especially in a time where like folks are not being quiet now and I love it. And so we're starting to truly hold people accountable. And um, I think a lot of it at the core of it comes to people just needing to like learn about their bodies, learn about communication, learn about relationships so that we actually can have an equitable society when it comes to sex. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm really interested in working with men. Um, That's not something that I, I've never done any gender specific anything in my pleasure pie work. Um, But I've always tried to prevent it from being, from not being welcoming to men. Um, And, and, it's been really interesting because I feel like a lot of times when you have an event about sexuality or feminism, like, or like sexuality from a feminist perspective, then like Mm. women show up. It's like mostly women and non-binary people will show up. And, um, and I feel like I've heard organizers say, why can't we get men to these things? A lot of times we need men to be, part of these conversations so that they can be learning about this stuff too. Um, And in my experience, I have found a lot of men have shown up. Yeah. I feel like um, refraining from villainizing men has been really, uh, that's, I guess just my theory (laughs) about why they're showing up. Um is like not making them out to be the bad guys.
0: Yeah, and I I think that that is a a good way to to accomplish this work and a lot of the conversations that I tend to have with men are uh especially like a lot of college aged men um tend to feel like there there's nothing we can do um without like someone saying we're like doing something wrong or us looking like the bad guy. And I'm like, then there's a whole segment of dudes that are like, I'm, I'm fine. Like, (laughs) like I'm not, I know I'm not causing any problems. I'm chill. (laughs) So it, I think there's just, there's no, I don't know. From the perspective of a dude, it can be, hard to hear some of the things that I hear men say to other men in confidence and still feel like there's a whole lot of progression being made um, in terms of like uh, views on women or whichever. And it really like makes me hope that some of the work that like you're doing some of the work that I'm doing, some of the work that a bunch of my other sex educator friends are doing is like really open the lines of like a good solid conversation with folks. Like right now I'm working with athletes at my college and that's hard. (laughs) And, um, so I'm really, like, having to have a lot of patience and a lot of grace for a lot of people who are still just trying to learn. And, like, that's that's really at the core of it, is trying to show that patience, show that we can really do good work if we are patient with each other around these topics. Because forever, like, we have been basically taught to, like, sex is this demonized thing that should make us feel bad. But in the end, like every sex, like almost drives everything in our culture. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's like a hard thing for me to like reconcile sometimes, but I don't know. Meh. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> like sometimes I have like probably, a overly optimistic view of men. Um, because I like tend to feel more comfortable around men. Um, than women usually mm-hmm. off the, like initially at least.
0: Yeah. Um, well, that's great to hear. Like, honestly, that's amazing to hear. <laughs> Cause I struggle even with my own manhood sometimes. And once I stopped hiding my own queerness is when I really started to like, feel like I can um, actually be myself and actually be myself around other men that would have normally like, um, like shunned me. But uh, I totally, I love hearing that. Can you expand a little bit more on that?
1: (laughs) Um, Well, it might also be to some extent the flip of what you're saying. Like for me as a queer woman, I think I tend to be shy around women. Um, Mm. And, um, but I also feel like, I don't know, like it's, it's hard to really pin down what is masculinity And what are men like, on average, you know? (laughs) Um, But, I don't know, for... I think probably a lot of it is being queer and feeling like... um, feeling like men are less likely to be weirded out by my sexuality than women. I guess if... about my sexuality potentially being aimed at them (laughs) than Mm. women. Um. So that is, I think, a huge piece that makes me feel more comfortable. Um,
0: All right, time for our first break from the podcast. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about the Connect Edu Network that I'm now a part of. The podcast, the Edupunks podcast, this podcast, the one you're listening to, the one that we make out of our living room and sometimes in our kitchen and sometimes in other places. I don't know. Whatever. Wherever we do it. As part of the ConnectEDU network, go to connectedu.network and you can check out all the cool podcasts that are a part of this great uh, network of education podcasts. If you didn't, you know, put the... make your own connections. the, The Connect... It's like connected you like connected university connect edu it's like connected you i hope you got it i got it double entendre hey but you can check out advancement legends podcast with ryan catherwood you can check out the enrollment growth university podcast you can check out hashtag higher ed you can check out higher ed social you can check out the podcast led by josie alquist called josie and the podcast you can also check out a resilient Campus podcast, as well as the one that Dustin Ramsdale runs called The Higher Ed Geek. We had him on a couple weeks ago, which is pretty sweet. He asked me to join the uh, network shortly thereafter, and I was pretty excited about it. Very cool connection. Again, go to connectedu.network to find a whole bunch more nerdy education podcasts. And now let's get back to this conversation. Like, do you think the sex positivity stuff is actually getting through to like a good segment of people?
1: Um, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a part of this is just like data that I don't know, um, so I can't speak to that. But like, just from my personal interacting with people, I do feel like a lot of people that I know, a lot of people that I meet in life, tend to have. Some basic knowledge of feminism being a thing sex positivity being like a thing to a lesser extent mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like maybe a lesser extent of knowledge about that um, and I feel like that is just, just that like a little bit of it being on people's radar especially people who like associate with being liberal in some way to some extent I feel like is a big thing that like people are like oh I know that you're not supposed to shame sex and you're not supposed to like I know that there is value in talking openly about sex because that's like the majority of feminism's current take on it I feel Mm -hmm. like that has an impact and causes people to be more likely to ask about STIs and to be willing to disclose about STIs and all sorts of things.
0: Like a lot of students will come into my college with these – Um, kind of the preconceived notions that we've we kind of like grew up with and the first time they hear me have uh, like a big open welcoming discussion on like talking legitimately about pleasure and talking about um, putting my finger in my butt and talking about um, the vulva and talking about um, all these different things that they've Kind of peripherally heard about or known or are just thrown off by, but having someone educate them in a very frank, open, kind of funny manner is a way that they're not used to hearing it. And so, um, in my, uh, in my perspective as an educator, I feel like if you're not having fun while you're learning, like, you're not learning (laughs) and it's like a big part of sex positivity in, in a big way is to actually like show that sex is fun. Show that consent is fun. Show that relationships can be uh, fun without sex. Um, There are so many different ways to show up in relationships and in life that like a lot of times those students don't get those perspectives.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel the same way. It's nice just hearing you talk about working with students and being honest with them and all the things that you do talk to them about. Like, it it makes me so happy because I'm like, if I got one of these talks when I was a college student, like think of all the (laughs) progress that would have been made so quickly, like so much earlier for me. (laughs) Yeah, it's good to hear.
0: Oh, and it's, it's funny because like, I like to have, I don't know. It's good to like pace some topics and like have some fun outlandish things. And I do a lot of activities around like what consent actually looks like. Um, And then, you know, like you, you build that up so that you build up that trust with the audience so that when you do have the like more serious conversations like sexual assault and whatnot, um, you can get to that like level with them because they trust you at that point. Um, and I feel like the same can be, um, can be accomplished in the way that you all do your zine work. Um, what, um, what kinds of, um, I guess, feedback um, responses do you get from a lot of your zines? Cause they, they're freaking sweet they're a lot of them are bright a lot of them are just incredibly um, forward which I love um, I still have my virginity as a social construct sticker on my guitar and on a couple of our uh, buckets for when we do our tabling stuff um, how do people tend to react and respond and uh, interact with you all when you when you um, share this work?
1: Yeah, I get a lot of positive responses, which is like the best feeling ever to have somebody come look at my stuff and have it resonate with them. Um, And I really like, I think I love zines so much. Mm -hmm. There's so many things that I love about zines. And one thing is that it's a way that I can interact with people and like put messages out there that isn't in real time because I don't feel like I'm nearly as good like as you're talking about teaching and building this trust and through humor and all that stuff I'm like remembering my experiences with (laughs) teaching high schoolers and I'm like I was not very good at that and and for me zines are a way that people can that I can like say a lot that and like think it through in the time that it takes me to think stuff through. Cause I don't think I'm as good out loud. Um, and yeah, so it's like such an amazing thing to, to be able to, <laughs> I guess, basically I feel like when I'm tabling or something, when I like have my zines and people read through them at my table, it is awesome because <laughs> it's like, please read my work rather than talking to, like, yes, talk to me. Like, yes, I want to be friendly and I'm interested in talking to people. But like, if you want to hear what I think about sexuality, like my favorite thing for you to do is read my scenes because <laughs> they're better um, than talking for me. And um, yeah. And I get a lot of positive responses. I think people really like the honesty Um, like i try not to censor the stuff that's super embarrassing like what you're talking about with the finger and butt story like that at the time would have been really embarrassing and um yeah so just trying to be like you know what i'll just a lot of times i'll like have zines with multiple authors and maybe i'll just make mine anonymous or
0: something (laughs) (laughs)
1: and but then it can be like as honest as I want and if my parents sometimes see it then like it's no big deal because it doesn't have my name on it um but yeah that that is something that I really like being able to have zines be super uncensored and be able to just like put nudity in there and put graphic descriptions in there, not just for the sake of, like, being shocking, but for the sake of being, like, this is just a part of life, and it doesn't need to be erased all the time or hidden all the time.
0: Yeah, and I feel the more we normalize these things, the better. Like, mm-hmm. it's like the conversation on mental health. Um, the more we talk about it, the more we normalize the way that we – um. Uh, can feel like we're not alone in some of our feelings and some of our beliefs and in some of our um, experiences, we're going to be able to talk about these in a more frank, honest manner. uh, Inherently, like it will be like second nature at some point. And that's why like I mince, like I hardly mince any words when I talk with students about this stuff because I feel like meeting them where they are, in knowing that even this generation of college students right now is very um they're very in touch with their gender their identities their um sexual orientations a lot of folks are figuring that out and being very open with it right now and I have a lot i I have a lot to thank uh, Tumblr for that <laughs> but for real um it's nice to um especially like I feel very thankful where I work, where I can have those frank kind of conversations. Um, and no one really bats an eye at it. Um, and being able to even, even if I have to use the language they're using, like calling a penis, a dick or balls or tits, like just so it actually, um, resonates with them. And so they can actually have the conversation, even if it's at their level, I can then hopefully bring them to, um, a different level. And even if I don't, as long as we're having the conversations, I think it's better Um, because I'd rather know that they're at least having that conversation with me or they're at least having it with each other. Like we've planted seeds and that's really all I want is to plant seeds so we can have them helping each other out along the way. Um, And I think that that goes a long way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I very much believe in the power of planting seeds in education and activism, I feel like there's often this desire to come away from any interaction with the other person being like, Oh, I get it now. The thing that Mm -hmm. you're saying is right. And like, (laughs) consent is the most important thing. And there's nothing wrong with being gay and all this stuff. And like all bodies are beautiful and all penis sizes are beautiful and all that. And of course, of course I want that. But like, I also think that it's so powerful just to plant a seed and not force it on people and to let them like, think about it over the course of years or (laughs) whatever it takes and just be like one of many messages that they're receiving and make sure that they're not exclusively receiving harmful sexist messages.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Like, it's surprising honestly how much those little seeds can go a long way with students or just anyone in general. Like I had um I love to talk about virginity with students because I feel like deep down a lot of them are like a lot of students and you know, just a lot of people in general really obsess over it <clears throat> and it being this thing <coughs> I don't know where this is coming from I'm sorry.
1: Yeah.
0: Um I feel like a lot of people obsess over it and I feel like it also comes from a place of um, social pressure to um, have this like thing to check off your list, like your experience list, like had sex. Now I'm a boss. Like, <laughs> um, but deep down, I think one of the better things for folks and their um, development and even just their um, overall existence in the world is to just like, take themselves away from the value that is perceived on virginity and just live your life. And if you become a more experienced sexual person, you become a more experienced sexual person. Cool. Like that's great. And at the same time, I know a lot of folks go into college, especially feeling like, Oh, I need to lose my virginity. I need to like do this thing. And then the lack of knowledge or the lack of understanding consent and relationships, they might, their first time might be one terrible. And it might also be, um, non-consensual because they don't actually know what they're doing. And the other person doesn't know how to not like to say no, or, um, anyone involved doesn't really know what they're doing. And it can be, um, just a really harmful situation and a lot of it is driven from that anxiety of feeling like you need to lose your virginity the first weekend of college kind of thing and um so when I try to destigmatize that I have a slide that just says virginity is not a thing so just calm down
1: <laughs> yeah I and break it down <laughs> absolutely I think that's really important um yeah I remember being In high school, and thinking about virginity, and thinking that people, my peers who had had sex before, just had some sort of worldly wisdom that I lacked. (laughs) Um, Partly because they knew what sex was, because Mm -hmm. I really didn't know what sex consisted of until I had it. But like, I just had this sense of like, you know, there that just changes something about you and like makes you less of a kid and less less like a little bit wiser and then when i started having sex i was so i was so surprised by the lack of like a giant separation between vaginal sex and other kinds of sex hmm. i was like i really expected vaginal sex to be the big thing the thing that is how you lose your virginity and how you gain this sort of vague wisdom that I believed in. Um, and yeah. And then it was just like, Oh no, I'm, I'm the same as before. And mm-hmm. that was just like a type of touching. <laughs> yeah. And then now I don't really think about virginity as much because it's not personally relevant to me, but um one thing that's sort of in line with that that I think of now is keeping track of how many people I've had sex with. Like, I mm-hmm. used to have a number in my head, um, and I think for a while it was three, and I like had this number, like, okay, it's like been three people, and and like if I choose to have sex with a new person, that changes the number, which like never you can't undo type of feeling. Um, And, and eventually I was
0: it kind of, sorry, I was um, just thinking, does it have, was it the kind of effect where if you change the number, you're like, this person's got to be worth it. If I'm going to change this number, (laughs)
1: like, or like something's gotta be there. Like, I don't know. I don't know exactly what I was thinking, but like, then I kind of just intentionally decided to stop keeping track of the number because I was like, this is a weird whole thing that I'm doing here. And it's exactly. not anyone. And it's like sort of a slut-shamey type of belief that um, has been yep. with me.
0: And um, you're like, so had now, it like in, in you? Like, am I slut-shaming myself?
1: <laughs> yeah. So now I have no idea how many people I've had sex with. Um, Hell yeah. And-
0: like love that
1: (laughs) especially because like I remember counting and being like well it's so confusing to figure out like what am I counting here like am I counting only vaginal sex am I counting like orals like at first I was like it seems wrong to count oral sex but then I was like if I don't count oral sex then I'm just erasing all of the women I've been with that seems sort of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, well, if I do count oral sex, then there are all these guys in here that I didn't originally include. And like, I don't even remember if I had oral sex with these people because I didn't attach this weird meaning to it that I'm now attaching to this number. Um, and so it kind of just like worked itself out to being like this. Just, there's, I can't even think of a way for this to make sense.
0: It's funny. Cause I used to like obsess over this is like a a macho toxic thing I had to get away from when I was growing up or even when I was in college it was like when a relationship ended my brain would be like okay so now like what's next like do I go single for a little while and just like uh, screw around a little bit or do I just find another person to be in a relationship with or do I just like not do anything for a while. And a lot of that also came back to, if I'm not being sexually active right now, am I actually being in college? And I kept having those toxic thoughts back and back and back to back and back to back. And at a certain point, when I stopped thinking about it, and when I stopped really caring about even having sex or anything with anyone, I kind of just like, thats i think when i stopped give, like counting when i stopped caring um because it was the sort of thing where i was also becoming more and more aware of the societal um approach to how men are treated if they're more sexually active and how women are treated if they're more sexually active and it just like ingrained inside of me like something i needed to stop worrying about because it was giving me anxiety and, um, and then it's like the, the funny thing is when you stop looking, that's when you start meeting people. Um, cause I've definitely had those moments where like, I'm swearing off this. I'm not going to date anyone. I'm just going to be with myself. And then like two weeks later, you're like, this person's so great. And I can't imagine not being around them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's a lot easier to meet people if you're just looking for like, meeting people for nice reasons rather than like filling voids of your self-esteem type reasons.
0: Yes. And that is like one of the things that I really, really, really had to um, like get away from. And cause like my self-esteem growing up was terrible. And um, I think a lot of times I was really struggling with that. And I see a lot of folks in college struggling with it too. And like, honestly, one of the biggest things I always have to come back to is like, Hey, take a deep breath, calm down. Like a lot of this stuff is in our heads because of what we're told. And like, it's okay to like, not be as um, experienced or um, involved in sex. Like you don't, it's not some not, not a pressure you need to put on yourself. And sometimes like that works so much. Cause then students are just like, <sighs> <laughs> like, it's fine. I say this after years of, you know, having sexual partners, but still. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, kind of like before we get to like a final segment that I like to do the lightning round, where I just ask you questions about yourself. Um, Can you, um, throughout the years that you've been doing this, what, four years you said?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Over the last four years, what would you say is um, like really something that has stood out to you the most when people come talk to you and when people um, ask for your zines or buy your zines, what is one of the things that really stands out to you that is like, rewarding about your work other than folks thinking that they're (laughs) kick-ass
1: oh that's such a nice question um i think the thing that stands out to me is that it shows people that i'm willing to that i'm interested in listening about their interests with sexuality and sex education because people now that i make these zines and have this, like, public – I don't know. I don't want to say persona because it's not like I'm, like, a <laughs> famous personality. but like, Oh,
0: that's why you had to move to the nether- Netherlands, <laughs> isn't it?
1: <laughs> From the paparazzi. No. Um, <laughs> no, just have this public face of, like, being, like, Pleasure Pie is my, my organization and this is what I do. Now so many people who I meet through Pleasure Pie or otherwise and – like even just people I meet randomly and tell them that I do sex ed. I'm constantly hearing their stories of sex education when they were younger. And and that's fascinating. Like that for me is awesome because um, it's sort of like an instant way to talk about something that I'm really interested in. <laughs> um, and And it's so nice because so many people haven't talked about it maybe to anyone or in many years. And it's so nice to be a part of processing that stuff and just to have it like out there publicly that I am happy to hear about that stuff.
0: Hmm. That's so great. Cause like, I'm sure that some, for some of those folks, they've probably felt like they didn't have anyone to talk to about that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, it reminds me of like we table for sexual assault prevention at concerts. And a lot of times people will come up to our table and just be like, I've been going to gigs for like 15 years. And this is the first time I've ever seen someone speaking up or speaking out against sexual violence at concerts. And it's, it's awesome. And I love hearing that. And it's super rewarding. And it's really funny because then people ask like, why do you have condoms at the table? Why do you have um, tampons and pads at the table? Why do you have lube here? I'm like, well, I'm also a sex educator. So this is like very much ingrained in my life. And so, and I feel like a lot of this stuff really, really ties together. So it's, I think it's also shown, I like showing in our culture how we're able to take our interests and turn them into, I mean, we're like the generation of side gigs, right? (laughs) It's um, having our full-time thing. And then knowing that like our, our interests, like even if your full-time thing is very much associated with your like side giggy part-time thing, like we can do all these cool things and reach so many different people in so many different ways. Like I'm at a college all day. And then I go to concert venues at night or comedy gigs and like, trying to just spread the information across as many platforms as possible. And I love um, that y'all get out, you do this work, your, your, um, like zine collection is incredibly expansive and like diverse, which I think is like something that our my listeners and um, a lot of my friends will probably put in so many orders for these because it is, um, fascinating, the types of things that you've thought to share about um, that honestly don't even come to my brain very often. Oh, thank
1: you.
0: Like even just a little, just even like a little zine of like, like as I give out affirmations at at my campus all the time and having just a little zine of sex positive affirmations is so sick.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that one was made by Aaron, who has been working with Pleasure Pie for, like three years and every so often just like all of a sudden makes an awesome scene. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love that one too.
0: It's so nice and simple. I love that. Um, yeah. Do you have any like final things you want to say about Pleasure Pie before we get to our final segment?
1: Oh, uh, well one thing I just was thinking not about Pleasure Pie, but and this probably won't even go into the recording, but like just what you were saying, um about tabling at concerts and having lube and condoms and stuff on your table. Like um, I feel like there's something powerful about that because it's sort of like it. the like anti-sexual assault stuff can, I think for some people feel like you're kind of just like scolding them for like, mm-hmm. for like potentially sex stuff in general or something. And to i think that having that stuff on there makes a clear statement like we're not saying there's anything wrong with having sex or even casual sex so like do whatever you want to do but consent is the most important thing um so i feel like there's sort of a message of like we're not we're not slut shaming you we're not like being puritanical about this we're just saying that sexual assault is wrong
0: exactly And we're not like pointing a finger at anything or anyone. We're just like, this is a problem that's existed and we want it to stop. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That's really what it is. And like a lot of the things, especially at gigs, like crowd surfing pits, just being in a crowd in general, there's a lot of anonymity there. And that's where I really try to like unblur those lines. All right, it's time for the music break portion of the podcast. Excited to bring you tunes from the new typesetter album. It is called Nothing Blues. It is out now through our friends at 6131 Records. It's a very great album. Lots of fun uh, ska-y moments. I like to call it ska just because there are horns, uh, just to kind of like mess with people. But there's a lot of good horns in it. There's a lot of good uh, emo-y, twangy bits. A lot of great guitar work. And uh, for, for real, if you've liked anything that 61301 has been putting out lately, or if you like uh, really any band in the realm of like, free throw, tiny moving parts, uh, what else, like mom jeans, bands in that realm, you'll probably dig this. You'll probably think it's pretty great. I'm going to play you the tune uh, Monogamy One, Gliss Happening, uh, right now. And if again, if you like it, go to typesetter.bandcamp.com, go to 6131records.com, get yourself a cassette or a record or digital copy, whatever, whatever, you know, works for you, whatever you want to listen to. But for right now, we're going to listen to the song Monogamy One, in parentheses, Gliss Happening by Typesetter. That was monogamy one. Gliss happening by typesetter. If you liked it, go to typesetter.bandcamp.com or six one three one records.com. I lied earlier when I said there was a cassette. There is a CD though. Get yourself a CD or a digital copy or a record if that's what you like. Now let's finish up this conversation with Nicole Mazio. Now I'd love to chat about some of the things you like in the world. Sure. Yeah, so I call this the lightning round just because answer it off the top of your head. You can take a moment even if you have to. It's no big deal. Um, uh, Yeah, so we'll go through a few things, and then we'll wrap it up. <sighs> what is your favorite color? Yellow. I like that. I think you might be the first person to say yellow, and I've asked this question like 50 times. Really? Yeah. I like that. My favorite color is orange.
1: Oh my God. That's my other. That's like my second favorite color. And they're always battling for first favorite color. But right now, yellow.
0: (laughs) that's me with orange and red. And I think that there's a lot of similarities between the two colors as there are with yellow and orange. I mean, (laughs) they are all used to make each other. So yeah. (laughs) Uh, What's your favorite food? Um, chocolate covered strawberries. Mm. I've really, uh, so one cheesecake is mine, but I love getting into, um, I've gotten back into apples with peanut butter.
1: Oh, I just ate that before we talked.
0: I was eating that while we talked and I made sure to <laughs> mute my, mute my, uh, microphone. So I wasn't giving you some ASMR, but for real, um, it is such a power snack. hmm Um, what is your, uh, like favorite place you've ever visited? Oh,
1: I don't know. Um, um, I, maybe Pennsylvania. Okay. Because, um, I went there on a road trip in high school and I went to like Amish country and it was just the perfect road trip experience. I stayed with my best friend at a couple of bed and breakfasts and we were just, it just felt like the whole time we were surrounded by like big open sunny fields and puppies and kittens and fresh baked pies.
0: That's so wonderful. I can like, I was basically watching that movie in my brain as you spoke. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What about uh, your favorite food? Oh, I already asked you that. Oh, my gosh. I literally just said that. I was like, I'll be honest. It's because I keep looking at the icon, uh, the pleasure pie icon, and it keeps throwing me off because now I want pie. Um, (laughs) What's your favorite book? Oh.
1: um,
0: Or even like something you've read recently that you liked.
1: I think maybe my favorite book is – Blankets, a graphic novel um, about a teenage boy and his romantic relationship, and um, it felt very, very real to me. Mm. But I also really like The Diary of a Young Girl by Anne Frank.
0: Oh, okay, cool. Um, What about a movie? Do you have a favorite movie?
1: Uh, That one is so hard because I – my taste in movies changes so much and I can never remember them. Um, But (laughs) let me think. Um, I really liked her.
0: Yeah, that was a good one. That one was like, um, right before we started doing all the black mirror stuff, like hardcore, Mm-hmm. That was one that messed me up.
1: <laughs> oh, maybe I'll change it though to Ghost World. I feel like that's more of a long term favorite movie for me.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, what about like a uh, favorite band or music that you like?
1: <laughs> um, my favorite band is The Talking Heads. Okay. And Classic. <laughs> Recently, I've been really into Jungle Pussy.
0: <laughs> I have not heard of that, but I love the name.
1: <laughs> you should definitely listen to um pop for you
0: okay okay i'll check that out (laughs) that sounds great uh do you have a favorite show you're watching like tv or anything like that yeah with all your time in the Netherlands right now
1: (laughs) i've gotten really into tv actually since i moved to jerusalem because my partner who i moved to both these places with is really into tv and i've never really been that into it before um But my favorite, let me just think for a second because I know the answer is in there. But, like, (laughs) all I'm thinking about is what I'm watching right now, which I like, but it's not my favorite. My favorite is, um, I I totally know that I had one that I was like, oh, I know. Please like me. Hmm. I
0: don't know if I know that one.
1: It's a show about a guy living in Australia in the first episode. He, Hmm. he kind of starts admitting to himself that he's gay. Um, and his girlfriend breaks up with him and it's just like him and his friends and his dog who is his dog in real life. And so their chemistry is great. And, Hmm. um, and like, I think that sort of like what I said about blankets. It's just that the characters are so real, and and the, even the settings, the like or the sets are so much like apartments that I've been in, like my friends' mm. apartments. It's so, it's it feels so well done in a realistic way.
0: Oh, that's awesome! I'm gonna check that out. I just like did a quick search for it. That sounds super cool.
1: Yeah. Cool. It's. I don't know if I said it's in Australia, um, and it's not. Um, I recently was very sad to find it's not on Netflix in the US. Bummer. It might be elsewhere in the US.
0: I might be able to find it some way. Yeah, I'm pretty crafty with internet. Cool. <laughs> well, uh, I'm so glad that you wanted to chat, or you were willing to chat, and do you have any final things? How can folks find Pleasure Pie?
1: I like your correction from claiming that I wanted to do this to that I was.
0: (laughs) So Nicole did not want to do this. I basically said you have to do this, (laughs) and she was willing to. No, I. (laughs) Well, because I tend to reach out to people that like, I don't know, like I really love the work that you all do, but like. I think we met once at a, at a, at a gig or something. And like, that was like the only interaction we've had, but I've, I've been following pleasure pie for ever since. And I was just like, Hey, I'd really love to talk about sex positivity and pleasure pie on my podcast, please.
1: <laughs> That's so nice. Um, so where can people find pleasure pie? Pleasurepie.org And we're pleasure pie on Etsy. That's where you can find all our zines and stuff.
0: Sweet. Thank you so much for being willing to chat. And hopefully when you come back to Boston, we can hang out.
1: Yeah, that would be great. It was really nice talking with you.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much. Have a good rest of your day.
1: Thanks. You too. Good luck with the tattoo.
0: Hey, thanks. Bye. Bye. All right. Better late than never. Really glad to have had that conversation with Nicole. Weeks ago, Uh, it was really nice going back through it and reliving the conversation as I was editing it all together. Very, very, very thankful for her taking some time out of her life overseas to hang out with me and chat with me about all things sex sex education and DIY zine creation, all that fun stuff. Go to pleasurepie.org. If you'd like to learn more about their organization, their projects, all the sexual health education stuff that they're doing, you can go to their Etsy shop, which is etsy.com slash shop slash pleasure pie and get all sorts of cool pins, postcards, stickers, uh, zines, all that fun stuff. There's so much great uh, information that you can get from them on their website. Please go and support Nicole and her entire organization. You heard tunes from the band Typesetter this week. Their new album, Nothing Blues, is out on 6131 Records. Go to 6131records.com or typesetter.bandcamp.com and get yourself a digital copy or physical copy today. Also, big thanks to ConnectEDU Network. Go to connectedu.network to learn more about all the great podcasts and higher education opportunities and information that you can learn just from going to that site and just from listening to our podcasts. Very glad to be a member of the Connect Edu network. Uh, so you'll be hearing about that basically every single episode now. Hooray! We sold out! Well, not really because I'm not getting any money, but whatever. It's fine. We're still going to keep doing things the way we're doing. And that said, like I said earlier, we might not have Uh, episodes as consistently coming toward the end of the year but my hope is to do at least one more before the uh, end of the year and then once my wrist is healed and once we're into like january to hit you with a whole bunch of conversations but that's all i got for now uh katie you got anything to add Nope. nope all right well we're gonna go relax now and let's get to work